All right, so here we are with the next part in our series. And this series is a commentary on the book Glimpses of a Golden Childhood by Osho. So if you want to, you can go back, listen to the previous parts. Otherwise, we can talk today about a few stories from this book. So when Osho was a child, just a baby, a couple of years old, two or three years old, an astrologer comes to visit him. And his parents organized to have an astrology reading. And the astrologer does it, you know, he takes down some information, he does up the chart and he does all this stuff. And he works out that, well, actually, Osho's going to die. He's going to die at about the age of seven. And he says, well, if he doesn't die at the age of seven, he will become a Buddha. He will become someone of tremendous significance to humanity. And also, at this meeting, (laughs) Osho says to the astrologer, you're going to become a sannyasin. And they make a bet, which is, you better give me your watch if it comes true, which is something the astrologer has. He had a wrist watch. And this, the, the astrologer says, okay, well, I'll go through with it. And actually what ended up happening years later, years and years later, Osho met him again. And Osho remembered him. And of course, the astrologer didn't quite remember Osho, but he did remember that incident. And he had kept the watch. And he did say, hey, what happened? And he actually turned out that he did become a sannyasin. So Osho was right in his prediction. And he ended up talking with this astrologer and he said, well, how did you know? And... It's this funny thing with Osho. He says he can look at someone and know exactly what they are. But he can't explain how he knows. And that's really just mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, to be able to look at someone and to really see what they are, then that is just, it's out of this world when you think about it. It's a very rare skill, that's for sure. And it's not, it's not even really a, a, a skill, right? It's not something exactly that you learn from a textbook. And Osho does also say that, well, 99.99% of astrology astrology is just coswallop. It really is just trash talk. And whether he thought that about this particular astrologer or not, 
is not exactly clear or relevant, but what did become apparent to Osho was that he was in a kind of life danger when he was around the age of seven years old. And in fact, that was something that continued every seven years. And he discussed this with the astrologer as a child. And well, his parents came to understand this, which was that every seven years, Osho was going to have to face some sort of danger or something was going to happen. It wasn't exactly clear what. And, you know, he doesn't, I mean, related to this is his past lives, right? He doesn't make a big thing out of this. And I remember in one lecture, Osho gets asked a question about his past lives. And it's this, you know, big, long, elaborate question, which basically boils down to someone asking him, well, do you remember your past lives? And... The answer that he gives is one word. He just says, yes. And then that's the end of his answer. And if you know anything about (laughs) what it's like to have Osho's people asking him questions and he answers, well, normally they ask a question and then he talks for about 40 minutes. (laughs) Or an hour or something. And then there's another question and he talks for another 40 minutes. (laughs) So it's very long and elaborate answers, right? He talks a lot. He really explains things. And for him to just give one word answer, yes, well, that's really saying something about how much he downplays it. And I mean, do you remember your past lives? I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about that. I'm really not experienced, so I remain agnostic. I remain open-minded. And in this book, well, Osho says that he does remember his past lives and he does remember some of the people that he was with throughout history and he did get to choose his rebirth Right, So, as a meditator, as someone who meditates and has a consciousness awareness to a high level, he was able to choose his rebirth and he knew that he was going to be enlightened at a very early age, at a very early stage. And one of the things that happened when Osho was born was that he didn't eat. He actually didn't take his mother's milk. And for three days, he refused everything. And the doctors basically came and said, look, this baby is going to die, right? If this baby doesn't eat, this baby doesn't take the milk, it's just going to starve. But what is what is actually happening there, or what the story is, is that, well, he was doing a fast in his previous life. And he wanted to finish that fast. And after three days, well, he'd finished his fast. So he took the milk and he lived. And another thing he remembered was that in one of his past lives, he was killed. He was actually murdered by someone. And as it turned out, well, the 
person or the consciousness that had done that was reborn and then came to him again and then became a sannyasin, actually became an Osho follower or a neo-sannyasin or an Osho sannyasin. And we really should have distinguished between a, a traditional sannyasin, which was what the astrologer became, I believe, and the Osho sannyasin, which was what this other person became. But that that's really semantics about definitions. We don't need to worry too much about that. But for Osho to realize that and to see that and to to mention that to this person without them even realizing until later on is to just see like how far ahead is your awareness like how much can you really see and it's beyond anything right it's beyond anything i can imagine or fathom or realize or see and i believe it went something like this right this this sannyasin came to Osho and Osho says, oh, I forgive you. It's okay, you don't have to worry about what you've done. And this sannyasin is sort of like, well, I, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you saying this? And Osho says, well, just don't worry, you'll understand soon enough. And then years later, this sannyasin realized that he had killed Osho in a previous life. And I don't know how you realize that. I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't even know how you remember a past life. Or what that looks like. And I know there are techniques. I know in many ways that that's exactly what this sort of dentist process that Devagit is doing on Osho is, is part of, right? That's actually part of the process. It's not just memories of your childhood, but it goes into memories of your previous lives and another way of sort of looking at this in maybe a more intellectual way is you can say well there's actually three ways in which we use this word consciousness there's consciousness in terms of the general intelligence of the universe which would be like the evolution of matter and time and space and Godhead and awareness in general. And that's the sort of cosmic consciousness. That's the general consciousness. And that's one way in which we use this word consciousness. And then there's consciousness in the personal sense, which is where you have your own awareness, which is, okay, you want to have your consciousness grow and develop and become more and be get be getting into more skill like get into a better skill a deeper skill so you're improving your consciousness and then there's a third definition of consciousness which is that it's more like a soul it's more like an an individual entity so your consciousness is your individual entity that is moving through reality and moving through lives. And these three sort of definitions of consciousness are related, right? Your personal awareness, your personal consciousness, that 
expands and grows and deepens in relation to the cosmic consciousness and getting deeper into the general intelligence of life. And the more you do that, the more you realize that you have an individual consciousness, which does translate from life to life. And you know, another person who was sort of hip to this or aware of this was Ram Das. And Ram Das has this story where he, uh, I mean, I mean, here's how the story goes. Ram Das had his master, he had his teacher, who was an Indian guru. And then that teacher died and <laughs> that consciousness turned up again in this housewife, middle-aged woman in America. <laughs> and he ended up actually having his master, who was a middle-aged woman housewife from America, who was actually the consciousness of his master, right? <laughs> So, this whole thing of what body you're in and what person you are is very much different to what your consciousness is as an entity. And really, I mean, what do I think about this? I mean, do I believe all this? Do I follow all this? I mean, I don't think it's a matter of belief. I don't think it's a matter of whether it's true or not, right? Because you could say, ah, this is all Coswallop. This is all just made up stuff. You know, I don't believe in past lives. I don't remember my past lives. And for me, I just tell myself, like, there's there's more to this life than I can understand. There's more to this world and reality than I can explain. Like, if my limit to reality is limited to what I can explain, then that's a very small limit. And even if I limit it to not only what I can explain, but what can be explained to me, then that's also a limit. So if I say, well, do I believe in path do I believe in past lives? Only if you explain it to me, well that's a limit. I'm not really gonna get it. And that's not even to say anything of if you prove it to me, right? If I want proof, well that's an even smaller limit. And really, I mean, I have to remain humble because these are people who know things so much further beyond me and they have experiences that are not easy to explain. They are not common experiences. They are not easy to prove. And they are, well, rather significant. And I mean, if we just look at this in another way, which is statistically, out of all the people in life, there's always going to be an outlier, 
right? If there's a common mass, if there's the common accepted understanding of life, then out of that, there's going to be a number of people who have abnormal experiences and abnormal abilities to move in and out of reality in different ways. And out of that smaller group, every now and then you're going to have one really outstanding person. You're going to have one just breakthrough case, an astronomical case. That's almost like that that old song that I like by the Whitlam's. It's a sort of pop band from Australia that I like. And they have this lyric where he sings, She's one in a million. That means there's five more just in New South Wales. <laughs> right? And it's like, well, well, what if you're one in a billion? Well, that means there's seven more. probably alive right now. It's probably about seven people alive right now who are one in a billion. And what if you're one in 20 billion? What if you're that one in all humanity, out of all the humans that have ever lived, you're that one person who's had that one shoot into consciousness. And is Osho that person? Well, I don't know. I mean, he says he remembers his past lives. And it's not it's not entirely uncommon, right? Because Ram, Ram Das also talks about his past lives. And that's not even to say anything about the other people who are sort of aware of those experiences. And that's not even to say anything about the techniques that can be used to uncover this, right? <laughs> Some people would say, you know, past life work is just a kind of therapy that you go and you do. Right? You pay your money, you go in, the therapist does the process, you do the techniques, you follow the procedure, and then you've got it. It's a mathematical, scientific thing. <laughs> it's not some far-off, rare thing. So, make of that what you will. I mean, this is just the story that Osho has said. And that's what he says about his past lives. So, I'd like to read now to just sort of change the tone a bit and to sort of move on to something else for the rest of this part. I'd like to read a little bit just from session one, just to give us a little bit of a sense of how he talks and what it's like to listen to some of his words. So this is the opening few paragraphs from session one. Quote, It is a beautiful morning. 
Again and again the sun rises, and it is always new. It never grows old. Scientists say it is millions of years old. Nonsense. Every day I see it, it is always new. Nothing is old. But scientists are grave diggers. That's why I say they look so grave, serious. This morning, again the miracle of existence. Each moment it is happening, but only very few, very, very few ever encounter it. He continues. The word encounter is really beautiful. To encounter the moment as it is, to see it as it is, without adding, without deleting, without any editorial work, just to see it as it is, like a mirror. The mirror does not edit, thank God. Otherwise, no face in the world would be able to suit its requirements. Not even the face of Cleopatra. No face at all would be able to suit the mirror. For the simple reason that if it starts cutting you, editing you, adding to you, it will start destroying you. But no mirror is destructive. Even the ugliest mirror is so beautiful in its undestructiveness. It simply reflects. Before coming into your Noah's Ark, I was standing looking at the sunrise. So beautiful, at least today. And who cares for tomorrow? Tomorrow never comes. Jesus says, Think not of the morrow. End quote. So you get a sense from that what kind of experience he's having. This freshness, this aliveness, this is really something quite intense. And I've had experiences of this with myself. I've had these realizations and I've experimented with this and it is rather intense to live like this, to have the freshness always in your face. Takes quite a bit of getting used to in a sense. (laughs) I mean, the irony there is that you can't get used to it. You can't have some sort of normalcy. And I will also mention that he he says here Noah's Ark. So one of the things that he calls this these sessions is Noah's Ark because it's just his way of talking or his sort of metaphorical way of thinking that we, him and his people, are these things being carried to this new this new land. And there is this kind of little message. And he uses that, that sort of imagery all the time, right? He's using biblical imagery and sort of religious imagery all the time. And that's just how he talks. And to sense, like, every day is new. To reflect perfectly everything without deleting, without cutting, 
without editing. That is a tremendous freshness. That is a tremendous aliveness. And really, he says it in his own words. <laughs> right? If I was to describe my experiences, I would have to find my own words for it. I'd have to use my own imagery for it. And you would too, right? For your experiences of freshness. And really, it does take a bit of practice to get a sense of it, right? To wake up and feel every day is new. Well, that takes time. And really, a lot of the processes that Osho developed, the techniques and the meditative practices and the the dances and all the rest of it, well, that stuff, all that practice is to bring you into freshness. It is to bring you into aliveness. And you can see immediately he has a very different quality of life. To be able to stand up and say, every day is fresh. And it takes quite a lot to go against the grain, right? It, it, is, it is radical what he's saying. Because he is speaking out against the scientists. He's calling the scientists nonsense. When they say that this, this world is millions of years old. And drudgery is very much a part of our mainstream culture. Repetition. Day in, day out. The Groundhog Day. Really doing the same thing over. Saying the same thing over. Following the actions. Repeating the behaviours. Even repeating the thoughts. This is one of the things you notice about your mind. And your behaviours when you have got a strong sense of freshness and you've got a sense of aliveness and your awareness is happening on a higher level, then you notice, well, I think the same thing at certain times of the day. I think the same thing when I'm doing certain things. It's like, oh, I'm, it's as simple as, oh, I'm doing the dishes in the kitchen and a certain thing comes to mind and it's got nothing to do with doing the dishes and yet it always happens when I do the dishes that person comes to mind or that thing comes to mind and it's the same with just driving the car and going to a certain place and seeing certain things or you start to think certain things and you do certain behaviours at certain times and when you're aware when you're alive when you've got a sense of the freshness you see this and you think oh Well, there it is again, but why? And how does it have to repeat itself? And it's when you realize that, that you can see that you don't have to repeat it. (laughs) That's actually the step to coming into the freshness. It's almost a bit like, well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And another, uh, another way of looking at that is you, you sort of need awareness to have awareness. 
<laughs> you need freshness in order to feel the freshness. And if you figure that out, well, that's when you start doing the techniques. That's when you start really paying attention as to, well, how do I get a bit of that for myself? I mean, this guy obviously lives on a very high level. A very deep quality of life. It's very important that I figure out how to get that for myself. All right, so that is the end of part three. So thanks very much for tuning in. Make sure you tune in to the next part in the series. And we'll be back soon with more.